Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's brand new Flyers Daily for Sunday, the 8th of January, as the Flyers will be back in action tonight to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs having a very good season. You look at their record so far this year. Second spot in the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference. 40 games played, 24-9-7, and 55 points. They are 5-4-1 in their last 10, and they have plus 29 in goal differential. Crazy part is that even though they have 55 points in 40 games, they are nine points back and have played two more games than the division-leading Boston Bruins who are still unbeaten at home in regulation. As far as Toronto on the road, decent road team, 10-6-3. and three. They're better at home, 14-3-4. and four. Flyers come into this game in the seventh spot of the Metropolitan Division. 39 games played, 15-17-7, and seven, 37 points, 6-4 and four in their last 10, and they've won four straight. Can they make it five straight tonight? You know, we did the five things, the five elements of why the record over the last 11 games is 6-4-1 and one for the Flyers, why things have been better, why the results have been better, why the play within game has been better, and all of those elements. And one of them was quality of opponent. Well, tonight, you get a high-quality opponent. And you're going to hear Torts in a minute talk about, in his media availability from yesterday, that I don't get caught up in the convoluted, you know, beat that team, beat this team, and that's what you are. So he doesn't really believe in that. And, you know, as much of quality of opponent is is an element, and we talked about this on yesterday's show, it's not just quality of opponent. It's also who you play and when you play them. So the Flyers do have an advantage from that standpoint going into this game today. Do they have an advantage overall? No. They have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, uh, William Nylander, some really good players. Uh, but Toronto did play last night. They played against Detroit at home. They had a 4-1 win. It wasn't an especially tight game from the standpoint of the statistics. Not tight on the scoreboard. It was a 4-1 final. 23 or 22 saves on 23 shots for Ilya Samsonov. So it wasn't a high-stress game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they have to travel and obviously come through customs to the United States while the Flyers haven't played since Thursday. You know, they played Thursday night as well. They played against Seattle. They played Detroit last night, and they play the Flyers today. It's three games in four days, and it's five games in seven days. So Flyers do have the advantage from that standpoint. But again, the Toronto Maple Leafs have really good players. They've beaten the Flyers twice this season. They're a team that you cannot put on the power play. You've got to move your feet and play fast. It's something Torts talked about the other day, playing fast, and he'll mention that again in his availability you're going to hear in a moment. But against that team... You cannot live by the sword of putting them on the power play because you're not moving your feet, especially in the neutral zone. I feel like they draw a lot of penalties in the neutral zone because if you want to live by that sword, you will die by that sword because they have some lethal scorers on the team. And while we, when the Flyers played the Leafs last time, Austin Matthews wasn't the leading goal scorer on the team. It was William Nylander. You know, it's still some really lethal scoring and high-talent players. I mean, you look at the game that they played against the Red Wings, and it's not Matthews who ends up with any of the goals of the four goals. They get goals in the game from Mitch Marner, who scored on the power play. They scored on John Tav uh, they, John Tavares scored. 
Pontus Hamburg scored, and Tavares picked up the empty net goal. So it's not like they're a team that is going to rely exclusively on Austin Matthews. They have a ton of talent. No Nylander goals, no Matthews goals, and the Flyers will have to deal with a very talented offensive team coming up tonight at Wells Fargo Center against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's get to Torts because I think there's an interesting element that he talked about in his media availability. And we're go- we'll, we'll hear from Torts and then we'll recap it on the other side. So here's the head coach, John Tortorella. John, after uh, watching the tape from the Arizona game, what are some of the things you, you really like that you want to see continue against Toronto? Uh, I guess the, the the one that sticks out to me the most is uh, just playing fast, playing straight ahead, playing fast, uh, simple. Um, I don't know. Th- th- there were a lot of good things in it, uh, but again, we're we're we just don't look at one game. We're just trying to play our game all the time. We're trying to improve on it all the time. Yeah, yeah, they they feel it. You know, they, you know. I, I think it was the one particular play prior to that, and looking at the tape, you could see it. Uh, he was wide open for a pass. Uh, Frosty could have given him a pass. They kind of played like a diamond. Um, yeah, so uh, they they got together in between periods, and um, you know, it, it never. I don't think they drew it up that way, but they knew they they wanted to have a chance to get the puck, and Tony was just going to take off. TK runs a good route. We end up scoring a goal. So uh, I think it's great. I, I think players, uh, they feel it and see it uh, because they're doing it. So it's very important that they speak up. Yeah. How do you go about kind of fostering that more collaborative environment and not just saying, like, this is the, what we want you to do, this is how we want you to do it, and, and letting them Well, our, our whole, all our, our philosophy is, is we're always looking to empower them. Uh, uh, I, I think with today's athlete, uh, they need to be part of the equation, part of the conversation. Uh, as a head coach, uh, I need to be the referee in conversations as far as it's just going the wrong way and, and we're going to do it this way. Uh, I have to make those decisions along the way. Uh, but we certainly want their information, uh, I, I, especially with today's athlete. I think that's part of uh, the, the youth movement and the way the game's played now is allowing them to feel that they have some say. But we have to be the referee because it could go sideways sometimes. You give them too much. You mentioned after, after the game um, about Morgan, where you basically said that you know it can't just be two or three good weeks. It's got to be be longer than that. But you've liked what you've seen recently. I guess when a player is in that kind of position where he sort of he seems to be clicking for him, but he's not quite there. How long do you have to see it before you start believing that that's actually him? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no date that I have in mind. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I think when it comes down, for me, when you really find out about a player, is those really important games. Um, you know, we're, uh, we, we've got a stretch coming here. Where there's some really good teams we're playing against. Uh, there'll be some checking. They'll, he'll be playing against some top players head on head with him. Those are all things I take in consideration in, in, in trying to figure him out. In, in, I'll tell you, in this situation right now, it's all year long for me evaluating players because I think there's going to be some decisions, some very important decisions for this organization at the end of the year. So it's not, 
uh, happy with two months. I, I, for me, especially being new here um, and where the position of this organization is, these are these questions or these thoughts will be brought up at the end of the year. There's no sooner time than that for me in evaluating. You mentioned about the idea of you learn about players in important games. And you know, obviously these games, you're coming up and playing some really good teams, mm -hmm. you're going to learn something. But is it harder to evaluate when you, know, you guys aren't necessarily in like the heart of a playoff race? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think you find out more if, if we're six or seven games over 500 and we're in the, in the middle of the battle of the Metro. And uh, I, I, do, I do think there is more information there. I, I think some very important information. I don't want to minimize our game, because I think when you play a game, you try to win. I think there's pressure to do that. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, with us being two games under and, and the climb that we have, uh, to think that uh, you know, I'm going to see those type of situations. I, I hope we put ourselves in a spot that we're uh, sniffing. And then you start sniffing. And then how do you react in those type of situations? Uh, yeah. I. I uh, for coaches, it's constant information you're looking for out of players. And, and that's not through speaking with them, it's watching them. And the more and more important the games are, the more and more information you get, good or bad. When, when you put together four straight wins, do you ever peek at the standings to see where you guys not are? Not at once. No, I, I don't look at the standings if we're whatever we're, if we're 10 games over. I, I don't. I, I, and I'm, it's not coaches speak for me. It is, I think about each and every day. The, the, we got enough things going on to I want to get through the day uh, and do my job the best I can for that day and worrying about and projecting or, or forecasting or seeing what else is out there. I, I, I'm just, it's the way I've always done it. So, and I've never, I've really never been a big standings guy. Uh, you, you, if you, if you're, you're, if your team is, you know your team's in the hunt, when it starts getting into late March and April, sure you're looking at, at stuff like that, but not until, and uh, uh, yeah, so it's one day at a time. For you as a coach, is that something you've had to develop, like to be able to look at it one day at a time and not give in to the temptation? I'm not a good enough coach to look into another day. I, they're, they're, I'll put it to you this way. If, if I look to another day, I'm missing something the prior day. And I'm a big believer is that you can't sweep anything under the rug, whether it's correcting a player, attitude problem, something really good about a player you need to talk to them about. All those things come each and every day. If I'm looking at other stuff in the future, I haven't conducted myself properly that, that day, good or bad. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, I think you can get yourself put in a box if you're not conscious of each and every day's problems and good stuff. John, there's probably going to be some people that look at the last four games and say, well, three of them are against teams that were below you guys. I know it's always about you guys, but can Toronto be a barometer for you guys to maybe say, hey, that wasn't a fluke. I don't believe in barometers either. That's right, that's right. I don't. We've talked about. It. I don't. Uh, and not to be difficult, I just, I, I'm, I just don't get convoluted with, well, if we beat that team, this is who we are. I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it each and every day. I, if you don't look at your team, and coach your team for that particular day, you're going to miss something. And, and I'm not saying all the bad stuff. As I just, it, it's the good stuff too. Uh, you're going to miss an opportunity to, to let them know, damn right, that was great last night. This part of our game was really good. It doesn't always have to be correcting. I, I, 
and, and it's ever changing. It changes in 24 hours with these numbskulls out here. You just, you, you never know what you're going to get for, in, in all sports, quite honestly. You never know what you're going to get from, uh, from athletes. So you got to just worry about each and every day. Going back to what you said about involving today's athletes in this kind of more collaborative process, I know you talked about like the attention spans of today's athlete, but what, what makes today's athlete more critical to kind of have that collaborative process compared to 10 or 20? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a reason why it's happened that way, but I think it is that way. And uh, as, as a coach, you can't, um, you can't force feed yourself on a guy when it's – I think athletes go in cycles. I, I do. And, and uh, this is what today's athlete is uh, for me in watching other sports, uh, watching other players interact with other coaches in other sports. That's just kind of where it's gone to. How it got there, I don't know. You remember the day, yeah, the player wouldn't even look at the coach. It was, it was coach and there's the player down there. It almost talked down at him back in the day, whenever that was. I, I think it, it slowly started changing. And how it changed, who changed it, I have no idea. But I, I have to make that read with our athletes because it's about them, not about me. There are certain days that I don't want to listen to a goddamn person and their thoughts, okay? I don't. But I have to fight that because I, I don't think it's fair. Because I, I, I think there's some really good, I just talked about Tony, you know, uh, setting up a play. I, I think there's some really good information that we can learn from, from the players. You, but I tell you again, you better referee it the proper way because human nature, you give them a little bit and they're gonna run with it and they could go off the hill with it. You can't allow that to happen. That's what I have to coach, and that's what I have to kind of referee. There he is, head coach John Tortorella. And, God, I want to do a whole episode on that last element that he talked about, where talking about how you treat today's athlete and how he's observed it not only in hockey but in other sports, where you have to explain things to the athlete now. Then, And I agree with Torts. There was a time when, you know, the coach – was the dictator. And basically, I mean, we've all, if if you played sports a while ago, I mean, I remember I had a coach said, I'll let you know when this is a democracy. <laughs> and it wasn't a democracy. The players, the athletes had no say. And it was like that in pro sports. And you may go, well, wait a minute, how's that the case? The players make more money than the coach for the most part. And that is true. And maybe that's how things changed with players that made so much money. And I think one of the reasons why it changed is because the shelf life of coaches shortened. And here's why. It became easier in pro sports to change the coach than to change the roster. Now, why did it become easier? Well, because guaranteed contracts and salary caps are in place. So when you sign a player, it's not just as easy as moving him. A player just can't keep, a team rather, can't just keep adding money and going, I'll take this guy, I'll take this guy, I'll take this guy, I'll take that guy. I'll take your problem, child. And it doesn't affect me from a cap standpoint. So it became easier to change coaches than it did to change roster. Now, there was, it was always easier to change a coach than a roster because the coach is one piece and the roster is many pieces. But there was a time when teams would just stick by the coach and change the roster for the coach. Those days ended a long time ago. 
So I think it's a fascinating discussion. Right? We're going to have to do a deep dive on that at some point. And I'm going to have to br- I'm going to bring that up to torts that why I think that changed and when that changed. Um, and we'll have him on and we'll talk about that. I think it's an interesting discussion. All right, everybody, it's Flyers Leafs tonight at Wells Fargo Center. We'll break it down tomorrow, plus Bill Meltzer on a brand new edition of Flyers Dale. Like the coldest winter.